0: Hello, it's so good to have you with us here at Leadership for Sustainability. This is the podcast where we help you lead on sustainability to deliver results and make a real difference in the world. I'm Osbert Lancaster, long-time sustainability consultant and trainer and co-founder of Realize Earth. So in a previous episode, how to build support among directors and managers, I talked about a three-phased approach. I talked about listening, listening to your key stakeholders about sustainability to discover what they care about and why, and then finding common ground between people's personal and professional interests and their organisational commitments and culture and the sustainability agenda. And then the final one was inviting people, inviting them to join you on the next step of the sustainability journey. What I didn't talk about was why understanding your organisation's existing commitments and values and all that sort of stuff is so important and how you can go about gathering them. And that's what Morag and I will be talking about in this episode. Morag, great to have you with us again.
1: It's lovely to be here again, Osbert.
0: Excellent. So, yeah, so why beliefs and values are so important to getting people you know involved and engaged around sustainability. Do you want to kick us off?
1: Absolutely. So, I can start off this one by talking about some examples that that I've worked with over my career. One of the reasons this was so important to me is back when I started this stuff, which is in 2004, long time ago, sustainability just wasn't that high up the agenda. So it was very unusual to actually find any organisation or a policy that was actually about sustainability itself. So this is why we needed to be a, a little bit more entrepreneurial, trying to find opportunities to bring about change. So I'll start with the one that, that kicked off. Uh, this whole sustainability leadership change thing that I've been working on for the last 20 years for me and it was when I was working for WWF and my role was to embed sustainability in the formal education system of Scotland just a a very small task and where we started was a, a big question mark but at the time they were overtaking the biggest overhaul of the Scottish schools curriculum for a generation that process was already off and running so although sustainability wasn't in there per se when we actually started to look at the policies they were bringing forward there were some real opportunities there so there was a really high level statement that the purpose of the whole school's curriculum in scotland was to enable young people to be successful learners confident individuals responsible citizens and effective contributors so Using their own language, we were able to very effectively find hooks on which we could hang sustainability and it enabled us to initially open up those conversations about, well, if we say responsible citizens, what does that mean in the context we are? If they're going to effectively contribute to society and we are in the situation we are, what does that effective contribution mean? And that's how we began to open up that conversation about sustainability. So that was a, a really big process that was going on. But I can also bring it back down to a much more internal process. I was working with another organization at the time, and they were a training organization. And they were looking at their mission statement, and the, the problem for them was their staff didn't seem very bought into the mission statement, and they wanted to have a, a facilitated workshop around that. And again, because they were very uh, focused on health and safety and good practice, it said that they wanted to be the most responsible organisation in their field. So again, although sustainability wasn't in there, when we started talking about, well, what does responsibility mean in the environment in which you work, with all the things that are going on in the world, that again gave us the opportunity to start that conversation around
0: sustainability. Responsibility is a really interesting word, and it's come up a lot. Yeah. And it's like, well, who wants to be irresponsible? Who sets out to be irresponsible? What organization wants to be irresponsible? One of my experiences with that was when I was, um, I was working with the University of Edinburgh, helping them develop their, what became their social responsibility and sustainability strategy. It was their first sustainability strategy. They had environment policies and things before then. And it was a long-term process and involved lots of people. And when we started that process off, because it was sort of, it had been, yeah, sort of championed by someone who was really keen on sustainability. The language we were talking about was around sustainability, and social responsibility had been sort of tacked on at the end. And you know, it was making progress, and we were having workshops and conversations. With people and people said, "Yeah, yeah, sounds like a good plan. We should do something like this." But there wasn't a great deal of, apart from around a few sort of champions, it wasn't a great deal of enthusiasm. And I remember the the day when that changed was when we were, I was leading a workshop with a lot of senior academics and senior managers. And I'd been sort of, I was really tired. I've been on my feet all morning, facilitating this thing and like keeping, trying to sort of keep it all moving. This process was called sustainability and social responsibility. It doesn't really trip off the tongue. You know, towards the end of the morning, I was up there and saying, and something blah, 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 social responsibility and sustainability. I flipped them round. I got them the wrong way around. And then I went back to the table. We were working around like kind of um, cabaret style tables. I went back to the table. I was working working around with um, some other, some of the other members of staff there, including the vice president, the vice principal, who was leading this whole project. And she had said, Osbert, that's it, that's it. It's social responsibility and sustainability because of course we want to be a socially responsible university. And that was just a huge trigger. And she then sort of, you know, stood up and talked about that whole concept. And everyone's like, yeah, of course, yeah, that makes, yeah. You know, it does fitted with like who wouldn't want to be socially responsible. It really fitted in a way that sustainability at that time didn't, didn't really fit. So words are so important. It's so important fitting in with the existing culture, things people already believe are important rather than, necessarily perhaps trying to persuade them something else is important. And anyway, that's, that's my experience.
1: Absolutely, I agree. And the words really do matter because if we think about, you know, one of the underpinning principles of what we do here at Realize Earth is that you know scientific fact that the majority of people do care and they care about what's going on in the world and they want to contribute to making it better. And for many people, sustainability can be a bit of an abstract concept. They sort of get it, but they don't really get how they fit into it or what they should be doing. But when you start bringing in the idea of being responsible and people, as you say, want to be responsible organisations to be, you know, adhering to high standards, that really does give the opportunity to open up that, that conversation. And I think, you know, Thinking about what we're talking about here doesn't just need to be the formal commitments that an organization has made, although those can be really helpful, because if you do have the document, the plan, the mission statement, the organizational values, and they've been through the board and the senior managers, and they've all been approved and written down and shared around the organization, that has a power in and of itself, but also just the culture of the organization. So again thinking back to the educational examples which I've worked with with quite a lot whenever you start talking to people who work in education whether they're in schools colleges universities training you ask you know, why did you get into this and after they've talked for a while you will always start to get down you know, I want to help people I want them to succeed I want them to have the skills and the abilities to reach their full potential and that always opens up an opportunity to have this discussion about, well, in the world that we're in now, what, what does that look like considering the situation? and Where does that lead? And again, that informal part of the culture can be an incredibly powerful place to start having these conversations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also something around um sense of identity almost for lots of people, particularly in certain professions. You know, w- Why are we in this business? Why are we doing this work in the first place. And you've know, you talked about that, that education example. Um, and it's, you know, it'll be the same in many, many other professions as well. I just want to jump back a little bit because we talked a lot of examples around responsibility and we were sort of picking up responsibility. I, I think we just like roll that back a little bit because it's not the only one. And there'll be lots of other things that will work for other organizations, other people, depending on, on their culture, their organization. So innovation you know lots of organizations will have innovation plastered all over you know the, the corridors at, in the reception and all the rest of it the core part of their values and their language so that's the opportunity to open up the conversation great we're going to be innovative but innovative for what what's the why are we doing this so then you can tie in well if we look at this through a sustainability lens that can help us be innovative in ways we hadn't thought of before or, or whatever it is but always tying it back to what is it that matters to that organisation and the people in it.
1: Yeah, because if we think back to recent interviews that we've done with people working out there in the field, if we think about um, Toby working in the world's fourth biggest bank, they're all about financial prudence and making financially good decisions, and that's where the conversation started for them. And also, if we think about Alan Hendry and Mott McDonald, you know, they're big about infrastructure. But again, his discussions about what does good infrastructure look like in this day and age, again, opened up that space for the conversation. So I think the key message that I would want to share with people here is, depending on your field, depending on your situation, what you're looking for is that opportunity to ask so what does this mean in the situation we're in and the way the world is now? And as you say, it might be around responsibility. It might be around innovation. It might be around financial prudence. It could be around the reason that you got into this role in the first place. There are a multitude of opportunities. And for each of us, you know, we have to look at our own field and really leverage our own knowledge and understanding of the field and context in which we work to start to find those opportunities.
0: I'd like to take a moment just now to let you know about our next event. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that most people are concerned about climate change and would like to make more sustainable choices in their lives. Despite this open door, most business sustainability initiatives fail to engage staff, and as a result, they miss their targets. The reason is that most initiatives don't pay enough attention to what genuinely motivates colleagues, nor do they recognise the barriers that hold back even the most highly motivated employees from taking action. On Wednesday the 22nd of May, join me and Jamie, the creator of the Most Sustainable Workplace Index, and learn how the Index can help you tap into and unlock most employees' latent motivation to do the right thing for people and planet. You'll discover how the Index can help you to gather hard evidence of what's working and what needs attention across locations and divisions and seniority levels. You'll identify the focus areas where the sustainability team, L&D, HR and so on, should allocate time and resources to make the most progress. And you'll discover how you can demonstrate year-on-year progress with consistent and comparable data on sustainability culture. And you can use that for action planning, reporting, benchmarking and accreditation. Do join us on Wednesday the 22nd of May. You'll find the link in the show notes. So let's move on to how do you actually gather all this information together? Let's start with the, the relatively easy bit, the formal stuff, which essentially is it's desk research. Is there much to say about that? Look on the Internet, look at the website, look at the documents that, that exist, yeah. look at the posters on the wall in the reception. I mean, what is it that the company says it does?
1: If we're working in any organisation of any size, we all know these things, you know, as you say, beyond the office wall, it could be the business plan, the financial strategy, the five-year plan, the organisational yep. mission statement. What do we say when it says what we are as a business or an organisation on the website? All fruitful places to go looking.
0: Yeah. So that takes us that takes us in on to the more informal aspect, which is like the sort of the cultural, the lived experience, which is interesting because it may not always match up to what's written in all those documents um, hopefully it does well if, if the if the good stuff if the formal stuff is good stuff then that's important um, but sometimes actually you know the, the informal the cultural stuff is actually moving faster in the right direction than the than the, you know, the formal adoption of policies and procedures and values and missions and all that sort of stuff the informal side of it the cultural stuff we have our own experience of that but we may also just be like seeing that through you know it's only our experience so it's really important i think to be you know talking to other people in different parts of the organisation about their experience of that as well
1: i think one of the key questions which again comes up again and again in the conversations we have with people is just that inquiry so how did you get into this what drew you to doing this work and that's always a very fruitful place to start to understand people's insights and i've seen this in lots of organisations where there may be an organizational mission statement and people look at it go well you know I don't disagree with it but the reason that I got into this is and actually you uncover a much deeper richer insight from from that place again just talking to your colleagues about this you know in those both conversations that you've initiated to try and find out more about sustainability but just listening in to conversations and and participating in them and just hearing what your colleagues talk about and the articles they get interested in and the things that are going on in their sector that interest them again can start to give you some really clear signals about what's important to people and what
0: matters to them. In some ways it's like it's easy and fun to have those conversations but we also need to make sure that we actually sort of stop and start writing stuff down and trying you know, to sort of collate it in some way, particularly that, that informal stuff, so that we can use that to plan our conversations, plan the next steps. So I do think it's really helpful to sort of think, well, you know, are there different experiences in different parts of the organization among different people who have different roles and so on? So thinking about what it is that you've heard about, you know, what matters in the finance department, will be different from what matters in the marketing department or Whatever it is, so but you know making some notes about that. It's not not overly complicated. Just like jotting down some of those yeah, the key sort of issues around what matters in those different departments. What what gets people excited? What puts people off as well is worth thinking about. What makes people stop? And you know, give you the we're not going near that uh, type type look. So yeah, definitely we need to write that down as well as just gather it.
1: Mapping out the territory. That sort of. Values territory in which you are uh, working really important and being a bit systematic about it, as you say, and, and keeping those notes quite diligently is important. It certainly helped me in the work that I've done whenever I've suggested it as an approach to other people. It's often something people haven't thought to do before, but they do find it a very useful approach and it does start to really surface those insights as you can compare between departments and so on and start to
0: see those patterns emerge. One thing I find really helpful, actually, is just, just think of it as like three columns. You know, the departments in one column, and then what are the positive elements? What you know, what are the values here that you know, excite them, that draw them in? And then there's the other the third column is what's the stuff going on here that isn't isn't helpful?
1: Yeah, it, it's a bit of. We always used to refer to it as a force field analysis: the forces for and the forces against. So, what are the things that help? push people in the direction that thinking you know they can see a connection to sustainability and see how it connects and uh what they want to do but there are also forces that mitigate against. so a, a very common one is pressures of time pressures of uh on budgets and the, there isn't space to do this so that's one i very commonly come
0: across i think about you know in the negative column it's that like, what are the triggers that like these are the things you don't want to be the language you don't want to be using The you know, things you don't want to be bringing up and if you're you know Trying to have conversations around sustainability
1: and also just an indicator of the the pushback and resistance you're you're likely to experience uh when you start conversations like this and again it gives you the opportunity to think them through and as we've said in many uh, of our podcasts often the way forward isn't straightforward you have to work round over and under barriers so this at least gives you an indication of what it is you might need to try and overcome
0: yeah so we've we've actually sort of I'd hinted quite clearly about well, you know, what you might do with this information, but just to sort of pull that together, you know what once you've gathered that information together, what you're really looking for there is you're looking for the common ground between the commitments the organizations made, the sort of the culture and the informal stuff that people care about, and the sustainability agenda. And then you can use that understanding to to frame and to tailor your invitations to invite people on the On the next step of this, you know, the sustainability journey?
1: Yes, definitely. And one of the key things I think to have in mind as you're doing this is, as I said right at the very beginning, sustainability can quite often be an abstract concept for people. But once you've started to put it into these terms of the commitments and the culture, and this is what we do as an organization, this is the extension of who we are and what we think is important, it does give you that uh, much more tangible way for people to get involved in sustainability make it much more real and then they can it's much easier for them to see their place in it see how they contribute and see what they can be part of rather than you know it just says we're doing sustainability in our organization people aren't quite sure what that means or how they'd be involved or, or what the way forward would be
0: and i think it's important to emphasize at this stage you're sort of edging in now to the sort of invitation stage that you know i think you know, Initially, you're not inviting people into a fully blown, fully designed sustainability initiative, you're inviting them to have a chat about what's the common ground or the shared objectives between the HR department and sustainability, for example. You're not inviting them to buy into sustainability, you're inviting them for a conversation. But it's simply a way of that greater understanding about what's going on in the organisation. You can frame that in a way which makes it more appealing for them, more likely they're going to come with an open mind. It's that sort of exploratory stuff I think is so important before you start firming it up, and you know, developing a, an actual plan, an, an initiative.
1: Definitely, definitely is, and I think the, the key dynamic to emphasise here is we're building relationships, we're building understanding, we're sharing our perspectives and seeing each other's points of view and how they cross over. And that's a really key step. And a lot of us who work in sustainability, we do really feel the, the pressure of the time on us, that you know the problems are very urgent and pressing and the temptation to try and jump straight from, right, it seems like they're kind of interested in sustainability, so I'm going to try and get them fully involved in my project can be a huge temptation. But as you say, that interim step in the way where you just develop the conversation further, strengthen that level of understanding, strengthen the professional relationships there.
0: Really important. Thanks for joining me, Moreg, and for sharing your experience on this one. So to pull this all together... When you're looking to build support among your colleagues and indeed among other stakeholders, you'll have much more success if you can find common ground with them. So when you have conversations with them, you need to be listing out for two things in particular. The things that they care about and their real life experience of organisational values and culture. And you also need to do some desk research into the official story about organisational values, culture and commitments and so on. And then you can use that information to find common ground between the things people care about, the things the organisation cares about, or at least says it cares about, and aspects of sustainability. And then you're now ready to use that common ground to invite people to join you on the initial steps of getting involved in sustainability. But as Morag emphasised, resist the temptation to move too fast. Instead, focus on building understanding and trust. Because ultimately, successful sustainability initiatives are built on strong relationships. If you want to refer back to what we've talked about, you'll find a summary of the key points in the show notes at realize.earth/114. If you found our podcast useful, I was wondering if you could do us a favour. Could you leave us a review via your podcast app? Positive reviews really encourage new listeners to take the plunge and try a new show. I'm Osbert Lancaster, and I hope this episode of Leadership for Sustainability will help you lead on sustainability in your organization. What you're doing is so important now more than ever. Be sure to look after yourself. Bye for now.